Sales is the most lucrative skill in the world, period. The problem is most sales advice out there today is outdated, cheesy, and can even keep you from getting the deals that can make all the difference in your career. This is the No BS Sales School, a podcast for entrepreneurs and salespeople who want to master the skill of selling without all the BS. I'm starting to hear the shift now. Uh, more people are calling me and saying, you know what? Things are kind of shifting. Last year, we had our best year ever, or the last five years have been our best ever. And things seem to be changing now. Um, it's funny, even though sometimes people are admitting that things are changing, a lot of them aren't ready to make the changes necessary, right, to live in this environment. So let me give you some examples. I, I talked to a lady the other day. I was referred to her. Um, she runs uh, a large company on the West Coast. It's a marketing advertising firm. Um, and they've been working predominantly in the tech sector. Uh, that's been 100% of their clients for the past 10 years. And all their clients have come to them. And they're a big, big, big company. And five months ago, December, January, tech wreck, all of a sudden these retainer clients that were happening over and over and over again, they're not renewing. They're not coming back. No time soon. So now they got to go find new clients outside of the tech sector. Never done that before. Never had to go out and find new clients or not in anybody's recent lifetime. So now all of a sudden we got to go out and figure out how to do it. So wild story. These folks, I asked them, how do you go out and get new business now? And they're putting together proposals and decks and pitches and all this stuff. And we figured out that they were spending somewhere between eight and $10,000 per pitch, per proposal, eight to $10,000 of their cost in time, energy, effort, materials. Okay. Well, how many of those are you doing a week or a month? They said 15 last week. And how about the week before that? Yeah, 12 to 15. That's been pretty standard since January. So I'm not very good at math, but that's like $120,000 to $150,000 a week in overhead for doing pitches. And, and how many of those are you closing? I said, well, somewhere around you know 20% of that. Wow. So we dug deeper into that. I want to tell you the exact numbers, but they're, let's just say that they're um, revenues are down 30%, maybe 40%. But it's funny, I really dug into process and find out where their, what their process was and how it was working. And when we got down to the real issue, which is they don't know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> they don't know what the hell they're doing. They're not interested in changing process. No, 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 our process works fine. We just need some help with closing and some other things like that. Well, of course you do, right? Of course you do. But... If you have not noticed it in your business, maybe you will, maybe you won't, but all of a sudden it's gone from this thing where if you had supply, if you had time inventory, if you had time to sell, if you had inventory, you were freaking king, right? Because everybody else had money and they were hunting around and trying to find, where can I find inventory? And they'd buy your crap if it's what they needed right? They had pain for stuff right away and they could go to your competitor or go somewhere else and wait 18 months. But boy, if you had something today, you could sell it immediately. If you had a shorter time frame than somebody else, you could crush it. People had to have what you had. 
they had to buy it from you. It didn't matter what it cost so much because money was cheap. They could always get money. It wasn't a big deal. But now things are flipping. More people have inventory. But what's hard to get is money. It's getting a hell of a lot more expensive. More money, more expensive, right? You got, and so right now where salespeople get caught up and where sales managers and sales leaders need to be thinking about is we need to be relearning how to disqualify people. We need to be focused on a lot of the people that are calling us will not be able to close or they're just shopping around to see if they can find something cheaper. Maybe that's always been the case with you, but today, super important that we're disqualifying people that aren't ready to do business with us. You hadn't had to do so much of that before, because if you had what they needed, somebody was going to buy the damn thing. But now inventory is more prevalent, but people will still waste your time. So let's think about what are the things you need to know about somebody to, or if you can't figure it out, you need to disqualify them, which means they're disqualified from getting a proposal from you, right? It means that they're not, um, not everybody deserves your pricing. Not everybody deserves to know how you're going to fix this thing. If they're not qualified to get that stuff from you, you don't have to share it. We don't need to waste time with those people. We don't waste their time. So think about this. The first thing, no matter what we think about how, what a great solution we have and how great our shit is, if somebody's going to buy stuff from you, especially if they're going to change vendors, change whatever, that's super hard right? And money's hard to come by. And they're probably trying to figure out where do we have to spend it? And where could it just be, be nice to spend, but we don't have to. So be very, um, you know, look for motivation. What is their motivation to buy? And so those of you that have been around for a while, you know that there are five levels of motivation for somebody to buy from you. The lowest where money's the most important, right, is interest, arousal, curiosity. Or somebody goes, yeah, we might be interested in that. How about send me some information? Yeah, we could be interested in something like this. Or if that's all you can get from them, a non-committal thing, nothing they're trying to solve, just might be interesting. The next highest is future pleasure. What is it about that if we do this today, this will bring us great pleasure in the future? Now, Again, not a not extremely strong motivator for most people. This is why it's hard to get some to tell somebody, or why it's so hard in your first year of sales when you're doing freaking cold calls and nobody's buying from you and it sucks. It's so hard to stay motivated to keep doing it because you realize if I keep doing this for three to five years, I'm on easy street theoretically. But it's hard to motivate yourself in the right now in the day to day. So future pleasure, right? like saving for retirement when you're in your 20s. Be one of the smartest things you do. Spend money, put money in your retirement account first before you go buy a bunch of shit, right? Before you spend money, before you borrow money, go buy shit. Stuff your 401k, stuff your retirement account. Compounding works. Future pleasure. Next highest is current pleasure. Something we can have today that would bring me pleasure. Be a good thing, right? Maybe it's a boat. Maybe it's clothes. Maybe it's something else that you want to have today that you can walk in, buy it, and come back. However, price is still a factor. You can go, oh, God dang, I'm not doing that. The next highest, which is where we start to get into the factor that maybe money doesn't matter so much or money matters less, right, is fear of future pain right? They can see that if they don't fix this, it could cause major freaking problems in the future. 
simple example, right? You're driving an old junker car. You're driving a car that's making lots of noises or it's burning a lot of oil or whatever. You just had it for a long time and you think, man, if I take this thing out of town or, you know, it could break down or I don't, my wife be driving this thing. It doesn't seem very safe. Then you start to go, okay, I need to start preparing to go fix this thing. I need to start preparing to fix the problem. Or it's why you buy disability insurance. God, we hope we never get disabled. We hope we never get knocked out of work. I mean, the statistics those guys in the insurance business give, you know, 40% of people will not be able to work through the age 65 because of whatever. I don't know. I don't understand it. Seems kind of high to me, but shit, I pay for disability insurance. I want to make sure that if something happens to me, I can take care of my family. I hate paying that bill, but I'd be, I'd feel stupid if I got hurt and didn't have it, right? That's the kind of thing, fear of future pain. It's life insurance for your family. It's disability insurance. But the highest form of motivation is pain right now. What is going on right now that if you don't fix it or your prospect doesn't fix it, what happens, right? When somebody's got pain right now, that means that I have this, it's like a rock in your shoe, right? It's personal impacts. It's a problem and the problem has consequences the problem, problem has consequences and the consequences have personal impacts, right? It matters to me, to the person you're talking to. That's the pain part, right? It's not the problem. Everybody's got problems. You got to walk them through. What are the consequences of those problems? Are they a big deal? And then what are the impacts to you? What are the impacts of the person you're talking to? If there's no real pain, then the harder the change or the more expensive the product is, the less likely you are to sell it. The higher the pain, right now, the more likely somebody will figure out a way to make it work, right? They'll find the damn money. They'll jump through the hoops. They'll go through the trouble and make it happen. Here's the thing though. Most people don't walk around with a sign that says I'm in pain on their forehead. This is something you got to dig in and figure out. Maybe they deny it. Maybe they don't even know it, but it's our job to walk somebody through a process we don't assume they're going to buy from us. We don't assume they have pain. We're skeptical they really have pain. We're skeptical they have to do anything, right? Because most people don't. And it's our job to not waste somebody else's time. They don't really have pain. They're probably not going to change. There's no reason to do this. Everybody's got pain around something. It's just, are you good enough to find it, right? To spend the time to be patient enough and if you're talking to somebody like, well, we don't really care if it's this or it's this. It doesn't really matter to us. All we really care about is price. And you don't want to be the low person. Walk away. If your business model is not to be the cheapest guy, cheapest person, cheapest seller, walk away. I promise. And I've said this before 50 times this podcast. The guy who only wants cheapest, your buyer who only wants to buy cheapest is saying to you, I put zero value in you and what you do. Zero. All I care about is getting the product that you have at the lowest price possible. And I don't give a shit about you. Now I'll demand perfect service. I'll be a pain in your ass, but you have no value to me. If your business model is low cost, have at it. You can have it. That's awesome. We are training people to send you business, to send the people that just want to do low cost. I'm happy to forward you all the damn business you want. You do not need training. And by the way, you'll probably be replaced by AI at some time in the near future. If people don't, if your prospects don't have true pain, there's no reason to continue the conversation. Here's how you end it very gently. Look, I'm generally, I'm not hearing what I usually hear from somebody when they're ready to make a change. 
am I missing something? Right? I'm afraid I'm wasting your time. And you can ask questions around you. What were you hoping I could do for you? And, and tell me, how would you find a return on investment on that? I want us to be skeptical that your skepticism is your power. Because remember, most people don't buy from us. Most people are just kicking tires. Most people are looking for something different. I mean, imagine, as I tell people, if your closing ratio is higher than probably 50%, if 50% of the people you talk to or more are buying from you, that means chances are either you're not in front of enough people or you're not charging enough money. I'm Walker McKay with No BS Sales. Be ready. If you're not already facing the shift, you're going to need to be proactive, reach out to people, and continue to be skeptical that they're actually going to make a change. You want some help with that? Your team's struggling to catch up? Happy to have a conversation. Walker at walkermckay.com. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the OBS Sales School podcast. If you haven't already, please take one minute to write a quick review for the show. It really does make a huge difference. Also, subscribe to the show and please forward this episode to somebody else who needs to hear it. As a bonus for listening, I'm going to give you access to a free mini course, Seven Expensive Sales Mistakes You're Making and What You Can Do About It. Go to www.7salesmistakes.com and get access to the free mini course. That's the number seven salesmistakes.com. Thanks again for listening to the OBS Sales School Podcast.